Hello. I am back. My name is Dean Laxer, and I occasionally do podcasts just to entertain myself, basically. And I like to talk about my hobbies, my work, my almost non-existent life, and many other things that seem to play a role every now and then. Um, I don't know about you guys. Um, There have been some nasty uh, news lately, not just uh, everything about the Ukraine uh, conflict between Russia and and, uh, Ukraine and NATO, so to speak. That's something that does bug me, uh, as many other people as well. It seems dangerous. It seems almost insanely dangerous, as if it would be really just a war outside of our doorstep in Europe. And even if that war would actually take place, nobody really can grasp how big that could be or how far this would would stretch. And especially, you know, I hate topics like these. I'm not a political expert. I am not really a a history buff. But if a country like Russia would actually start to invade Ukraine, they will be held to pay, I suppose. I don't think that NATO will be just standing by and looking at it, but whatever happens afterwards, and I hope it's never going to come to anything, really, but that really sounds like bad news. But that's on a scale that is just still um, a bit, well, I wouldn't say unrealistic, but it's just too big to actually judge on something and it's, it's frightening to know that we, in 2022, have to think about stuff like that. And if that wasn't enough, uh, for Ghostbusters fans, there has been a sad news recently, especially uh, concerning the original director of the first two movies and many other movies as well. Ivan Reitman died at age 75, and I, I read, and I hope the information is accurate, that he died during his sleep, which is a very peaceful way to go. You just, I don't know, you say goodbye and good night to all those people around you. you. You lay down and who knows where you wake up afterwards, you know, if you actually wake up, wherever that is. And um, yeah, I was a bit, you know, sad when I heard that. I was shocked at work reading the news online. And I thought, I, I can't believe it. And I, I was thankful, first of all, that he actually got to see uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife being made while he was, of course, working together or side by side or behind his son. So um, he could at least see some portion of a further development and con- continuation of the storyline of, of the first uh, real super successful movie that he probably made in the 80s. And... Um, yeah, I'm still kind of bummed out because of that. He was, I never met him in person. I never met anyone from the Ghostbusters cast or producers and directors. But I think from what I saw and read and heard that he was a very down-to-earth guy, similar to Harold Ramis, and I think they got along both uh, very well. Um, just a very grounded, you know, uh, lovable guy, I think, and calm from what I can tell at least. And a large enthusiast for everything fantastic and and, and uh, storytelling wise, you know anything that you could write down and invent and, and envision for people to enjoy, and he really really lived that, at least according to the information I have. 
So I, I think he was one of the, the, the better directors, more human directors, to actually live and exist in Hollywood. Who knows how many are left, actually, with common sense and some, you know, a decent background, maybe, and a decent human heart, if you know what I mean. It, it's always more about making money than telling stories these days. So, yeah, that's one thing. The other thing that does piss me off a little bit more, and that's the reason why I want to talk about this today, instead of continuing the Peter Gabriel marathon <laughs> that I started a couple of weeks ago, um, I will get back to you on that, especially about the topic uh, Peter Plays Live, the first live album that we could buy, and, of course, the So album. And I think that podcast might be a bit longer. And I have one week vacation starting now. And uh, I was sitting down in front of my MacBook, uh, continuing to write and think about the novel that I've been working on. But uh, because of the bad news and all that, I was just too distracted and kind of frustrated too. And it is about one of my absolute, if not the favorite uh, mobile phone brand to ever exist in the history of the human race. Uh, <laughs> uh, BlackBerry is dead. Not as dead as in completely financially bankrupt or anything, at least not a, as far as I know, but they could be. Um, I think they're still existing in their own terms and strategies quite well, but they're still just a software company since their transformation by John Chen, who is the uh, the present chairman of, of the company. And um, many fans, including myself, we've been wondering if we would ever, ever see another BlackBerry-branded phone again. Now, the reason why we want these phones is simply put, always the same stuff. It's, it's um, their pinnacle in design. That is what I think. They've, they're, they're different. They used to be original. They used to be the only thing on the market that actually made sense. Then, of course, the iPhone came along and crushed them. Uh, kudos to Steve Jobs for that. And, uh, of course, you had, um, well, Nokia was a different kind of consumer branch. Never really focused on business too much, even with their communicator models. But BlackBerry just took the cake when it came to sophisticated working machines. Even though, uh, be it, uh, to be honest, the, the battery life of many models of BlackBerry were not exactly great. But, you know, in hindsight, if you think about the things that these phones were actually capable of doing, compared to many dumb, from, from, uh, dumb phones from uh, Nokia and other brands, I think they were way ahead of their time. In, at least in, in some aspects, and they were the only legitimate smartphone inventors. Apple took it to a next level, of course, with their touchscreen technology, their uh, very convenient way of thinking. The user interface was supposed to be stable and you know so stupid that anyone could actually uh, manage to operate it somehow, which doesn't really mean that you're operating anything, you're just using it. And that was the downfall in the end for BlackBerry because they never made the right choice to take their adversaries serious enough. The competition wasn't there in their opinion. And that's the reason why they, they failed. They were just arrogant, you know, naive and arrogant with a, a snobby behavior towards anybody else developing phones. And you just can't do that. You know, and they had, a, they had to pay a very high price, but they still exist. 
like I said, as a pure software company. And for a time, they had a little branch there called BlackBerry Mobile. Okay, and it's like, it's, it's like you take your, your big toe, you cut it off from, from your body. You throw it in a corner and say, get to work. That was BlackBerry Mobile. Not more, not less. I'm not sure how many people worked there, but they were actually responsible of creating the content that was necessary to load up on these uh, later, or let's say the last BlackBerry uh, branded phones that were licensed. Now, this is an interesting story. When John Chen decided to ditch the hardware industry, they closed shop completely, everything concerning hardware. In those days, the last phone produced in Canada was actually the BlackBerry Priv. And in case you don't know what kind of phone that was, that was a slider phone, one that was by design a very interesting looking, awesome phone, really. But um, the processor, and I can't recall exactly which which one it was, if it was Helios or Snapdragon something. I don't know, really, but I do know that I've read many times. I never never had the phone myself. I could have bought it in Germany um, a couple of years ago, and it was very intriguing to actually hold it and you know try out the buttons. I, 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 I checked it out in a shop once where it was demonstrated to customers. Everybody just you know could play around with that thing. It was, it was a really neat-looking device. But I scared away from it because the battery life would tank really fast in, in the course of, let's say, a half of a day because the processor would just waste far too much electricity or juice, let's say. So it, that was a very poor choice to take a processor like that, uh, which is not really designed well to, well to manage power consumption very well. So that was a bit disappointing. That phone was, it was good at the start. And then, you know, after a while, it just keeps on failing. And you still have some diehard fans really craving for that phone and praising it very high. Um, I'm not sure what, which Android version is on there. I think Android 6, if anything at all. I don't think it went up to Android 7, but I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not really fully sure if I'm correct there. But like I said, the Priv was the last one for BlackBerry, and they, they ended up selling this device extremely poorly for many different reasons, I suppose. It was a well-made attempt, and I think they, they had an interesting uh, idea there. But I think uh, the phone that was actually sold the most was back then the BlackBerry Classic and the Passport. Uh, the latter I actually had. The Passport in white was my knight in shining armor. That was a wonderful phone. It was clunky and a bit wide, of course, because it was really shaped to uh, the original size of, of, of a passport, which is an amazing concept that anyone would actually do that. But the keyboard was the best keyboard I have ever, ever written on or typed on. It is amazing. That is a solid build quality. That phone was made to last. But unfortunately... For many reasons, uh, especially for one, uh, one thing is um, while the battery was still working quite well for me, I could use the phone over one and a half days still after three years of usage. Um, I had to sell it uh, while it was still worth something, and uh, I got myself a different phone instead, so I bought the BlackBerry Key 1 eventually when it came out, because back then... When BlackBerry said, you know what, we're going to 
you know, screw the hardware business. It's, it's not doing us any favors. We're not making any money. Actually, we're losing money. They decided to just jump ship, like I said, purely software. But they uh, still thought that the BlackBerry brand as a phone manufacturer still had some meaning and potential for the market. So they opened up a license shop, so to speak. Any company willing to produce a phone in BlackBerry's name could actually purchase a license and uh, agree on some term of condition to build, um, um, let's say, a physical keyboard device like TCL in China did. Or uh, there was also a company, I don't remember the name exactly, in India making BlackBerry branded phones, but they only produced, I think, also three or maybe four devices and then they stopped. They were purely touch-based phones. They also became the operating system from as far as I know, from BlackBerry Mobile. They also were responsible for providing updates. And this is something that really is is uh, totally in the shitters. The resources the company seemed to have given the department to actually develop that kind of software and the updates, you know, that was really bullshit. The service quality of BlackBerry has been a bit better in the past, but not that much. And... Um, I think when TCL bought the license and they produced the first uh, Key One, it had phenomenal success at first. I mean, they were not making billions, of course. We know that. It's still a niche phone, or was at least a niche phone. But in those days, um, many people have criticized that a device like the Key One with three gigabytes of RAM and a slow processor, a mid-range processor, if, if anything at all, was not good enough for the competition. So many people were not really convinced to buy the phone, with, uh, with the exception of moi, yours truly. I had the key one, the first edition that came out. Um, many customers complained that the phone had trouble with the screen falling out. Imagine that. You're sitting on a couch or maybe lying in bed and you're holding the phone over your head and the screen would eventually just fall flat on your face. And the screen... I thought was embedded somehow into the frame of, of the phone. The frame of which was, if I am not mistaken, I think some refined aluminum. I don't think it was steel. The Passport was actually made uh, based on a steel frame, a real stainless steel frame. Not plastic, not aluminum, it was steel. Um, I, I do remember the Passport being a bit uh, heavier than I expected, and that wasn't because of the battery or not just because of the battery, let's let's put it that way. But the Key One was, uh, like I said, a very stable, well-built phone. Um, the keys on the Key One were fantastic. Personally, I thought I could type better and faster on that one than on the Key Two LE. But uh, because of the lack of power and you know the phone slowing down, I got really disappointed after a while. It was still fun to use the keyboard, and that's the only reason why I wanted the phone. Uh, like everything else, I've been I've been using keyboard phones for so many years. It's so much fun to use them. It is a a joy to type on. So, when the Key One eventually you know got to the market and got pushed, TCL made a mistake by pushing out a a slightly better BlackBerry uh, second edition, a BlackBerry Key One with four gigabytes of RAM, more memory, and um, I think in, in totally in black. I think the first one was silver, which I got. 
the, the, the black edition it was called, yeah, now, now I remember. And many people got pissed because they, they said uh, that most people using the key one, the first edition, the silver edition, would be disappointed now that they don't have enough juice to operate uh, the phone uh, properly, which in the end turned out to be almost true. Most users of the key one with four gigabytes, uh, they stated that you don't feel that much of a difference in the long run, especially when you got more apps open in the background. That might be because of the DTEK software in the background, which was a, a security detection software so to speak, uh, to uh, notify you if your phone was compromised in any way. I'm not sure if the software really held up to its promises, but um, I think I think they did as, as, as much as they could in terms of um, security one way or the other. I think they claimed for a while that they were the most secure Android phones. And after the Key 1, they had, of course, the Key 2, which was a long overdue device that was way overpriced. And here's the kicker, I don't know why. The phone was fantastic, I wish I had it. Never had the money to actually buy it. But when they announced later on the BlackBerry Key 2 LE, that was the phone I was gonna buy during a Black Friday sale and I got it for a super price in, in red. Uh, I couldn't hesitate. I just bought it. It was. I still have it, and it's running in the background right now because I pulled it up again. I wanted to use it during my vacation just to get a feel again for the keyboard, you know, some nostalgia. And I'm asking myself if I should keep it or sell it to a collector who's really uh, craving for these old phones, for the nostalgia of the keyboard. Because, you know, it's not exactly a powerhouse. The chip is faster slightly. Um, again, I can't really... I cannot pull out the exact details of the hardware at the, at the top of my head. And I don't care, I don't want to. It's, it's really, for me personally, the overall comparison of those devices, which one worked best for me. And the LE was uh, one of the better, more, the, the better experiences overall. It's a snappier experience, but you cannot open too many apps in the background still. But uh, apart from that, it's still a nice working phone. I wish the battery was stronger. It's only 3,000 milliamp. It's, uh, I think the Key One had a larger battery. I think 3.5 or 3.4. Um, while the Key Two LE had 3.5, I think. No, the, 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 the Key Two, the normal Key Two, the standard phone, which was a upper mid-range phone. It wasn't exactly like high-end. You know, it could have been high-end. But they didn't want to invest that much money, and I think they should have done that, probably. In the beginning, I was I was always of the opinion that in order to make the phone appealing, they should make it cheaper. Not with the hardware in, in total, to make it completely, you know, like, like a dumb phone or something. Something like that, incapable of doing the most basic operations. But it shouldn't be too expensive, because you're scaring people off buying a phone like that. Because in this modern day and age, everyone is using one of these flagship phones from either Samsung, still Huawei to some degree, even though they had you know uh, many complaints. And, and they looked bad in the press when it was uh, declared that the company was spying on people collecting data. Now you've got uh, a Xiaomi, which is... Uh, a solid company, for me personally at least. They're not looking too good at the moment, from what I understand. Their stocks are a bit low. 
but that's due to many different complications in the background, especially because of the lack of uh, chips available in the industry. Everything is just growing way too big and too fast, I think. Who knows? And, of course, you got uh, the, the iPhone. You've got Apple, who is still the king of all users. And there's a complaint from my point of view why I personally... I was thinking about purchasing uh, an iPhone mini because I, I don't want something that is too big. It pisses me off. I need something that is big enough to hold it in one hand, big enough to type on, and then put away in my pocket. You know, that's all I, that's all I need. But I'm a bit disappointed in Apple strategies in their um, battery economics because I don't know what the fuck these guys are thinking. But that's a different story. I'll get to that later. Um, the BlackBerry history so far was that TCL was the last company trying to sell something under the brand of, of BlackBerry, and their phones overall were way too expensive, especially for the lack of, of, of hardware that they put in there. The, the Key 2 was, was a better working horse. I think in, in rare cases that phone would actually crash to its knees, it could be that it gets slow over time when you just load too much crap on your phone, uh, but it had still 6 gigabytes of RAM, which is a must in this day and age, at least, in my opinion. I think 4 is just not enough. And, uh, I mean, Android is a juice-hungry operating system. You know, okay, don't kid yourself. There are different, uh, there are different ways to approach that. The standard... Uh, uh, the... the how do, you, how do you say this properly? The basic installation in a clean version of Android is rarely to be seen at all, okay? You got bloatware as far as the eye can see on so many different devices and from various companies because anybody can make their own version of, of Android, so to speak. You take the basic stuff from Android with all the security patches and everything that you need and you push them inside an update that is designed for the device that you've been producing. And you can do anything you want with that. You could also install advertisement software on it, which would annoy pretty much anybody with common sense. And a tracking software, and anything you want, really. It's just, it's a pain in the ass. And that's where I have a little bit more respect for Apple these days when it comes to their software. Not the ecosystem, I'm just speaking of their form of software development and power consumption, memory, RAM management, which is stunningly uh, fantastic on any Apple product. And that's something that I've been still looking for in the Android department. And if you want that, you've got to go for higher specs and more RAM. That's the only way to do it, really. That's a shame, but that's the way it, it works. That's how the operating system, I suppose, is been, has been designed. Or it's just a money-making scam. Who knows? Hmm. In case you're wondering, I'm drinking... This time, no alcohol, because it's... Well, I could if I wanted to, but I actually wanted to cook something first and then open up a new bottle of wine, I suppose. I bought myself a Highland um, Scotch. Wait, is it a Scotch, Highland? Or is it an I, I forgot, I have to read that. My memory is so bad these days. Mm. I think it's called Highland Park or something. I bought these bottles more often. Maybe I'm going to keep the bottle this time. I got a few bottles of one of my my uh, stone shelves above of the fireplace. 
to remind me of what kind of a person I have become. <laughs> well, um, yeah, uh, TCL. I think, I cannot prove it, but my theory is that BlackBerry Mobile charged too much for their license agreement, selling to TCL and abusing them a little bit. That's just my, my theory. I cannot prove it. I don't want to talk to, to uh, you know, too much dirt uh, to uh, BlackBerry. I'm not trying to pull anyone's leg here. But let's face it, um, the company was still trying to make money. And I think they, they sold, you know, there, there was more than meets the eye to this uh, patent agreement, I think. It's not just the brand. It's also the keyboard, that was essential for those devices and you need a proper keyboard and they were not exactly the most cheapest part of the phone and um, i think even the battery was cheaper to buy than producing the keyboard because you got to keep in mind the keyboard is a very tiny fragile piece of the phone with so many different elements and functions underneath those keys um they're not you know one of the best keyboards ever developed for phones for nothing right? I mean, the tactility of those things was real and not just some, some soft cushion mat uh, placed on whatever kind of receptor underneath. And that's like, like, like a typewriter, no, no, not a typewriter, like a calculator or the old Nokia phones and stuff like that. You, do you remember like, like the, 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 the Nokia communicator, one of the later ones that were developed um, or the last ones? I think mine personally was the communicator E90. And I was so happy for this device to actually exist. I was very excited about this thing, so I bought it, and it was fucking expensive. But the keyboard was a letdown. It was a piece of shit. And I'm not exaggerating. It was a piece of fucking shit. It was no fun to type on. I got to get used to that because it really felt like just a mat with tiny little... Um, contact receptors underneath. I'm not sure how to talk, to call these uh, components, how to describe them correctly, but you know what I mean when you go with your finger over it. There is not really a separate key. There is no tactile feed to the keyboard. You, you just press on the mat until you feel like something is clicking and that's the key. And that's bullshit, I'm sorry. If you pay that much money for a device like that, they should be able to actually create proper keys. Even Unihertz, for fuck's sake, these days makes better keys than they ever did. And that's the truth. And I had a, quite a couple of these, these uh, QWERTY phones from, from Nokia. And I wasn't really uh, too, uh, too excited about them, especially the, the E61 uh, or the E70. I mean, that was a nice design. It was unique. Oh, every phone looked different back then. But the keys were just a nightmare to type on. Uh, I always get you know, agitated when I talk about that. I need proper working keys for fuck's sake. And that's when I, you know, got my attention the first time to, to uh, Android phones. I tried a couple of them before I started using uh, a BlackBerry in the end. And that's, I was in my early 30s back then. That's when I really started to realize, man, these things are fucking cool. You know, that's how a keyboard should work. I was amazed. I was really amazed. And it just becomes, everything you do with it comes so natural to you and so fluent, at least to me as a keyboard user and enthusiast. I always got stuck to that. 
I fell in love with everything. My favorite phone to this day, from design, usage, uh, the, the, the keyboard, everything, is the Q10 back then, which was running BB10. And that was just before uh, the Passport came out. And I had the, the Q10 on my vacation, which I was heavily using. Of course, the battery was, you know, starting to die on me because I was using it too much. And uh, I, I, I roughly made it through a day, I think, with the Q10. But I loved it. I loved it. It was even playing back music on it with, you know, headphone jack and everything. I, I just adored it. it. Everything was just fine with the exception of the battery because, you know, small phone, small uh, battery that I could exchange, of course, if I wanted to, was a removable battery, not something you have uh, in this day and age. Every battery is built in and we all know how that ends in the end. And uh, yeah, fast forward again. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm drifting off here. I'm such a nostalgic nerd when it comes to this stuff. Well, TCL gave up when they announced they wanted to design the Key 3. And uh, there was never an official render or prototype of the phone that was ever released to public. I don't know if any of these uh, designs that were released as a render somewhere on YouTube or some tech blog, you know, if any of these designs were actually true and based off, uh, based on the real thing. I don't know. Um, personally, I don't think that that's the case. Then, of course, when TCL said, uh, we're going to stop, they did not renew the license agreement between uh, them and BlackBerry Mobile. That was the end of, I think, the end of everything back then. Because when BlackBerry announced that they were looking for a new company to, uh, you know, partner with them in this regard, to continue the brand, because John Chen did show an interest, at least at the time, and that's when the Texas company Onward Mobility came into the game and said, we're interested, we, we want to create um, a real made-in-America with Canadian software phone in Texas, and they were willing to go all the way, making a really high-end device that proves once and for all what a BlackBerry should be what the modern-day smartphone should be, cap should be capable of doing with the security and all the gadgets that come with it. Not just some plastic thing from TCL. Um, well, no disrespect to any TCL fan, but come on, you know. Um, they, they really knew what the, these devices were lacking and they wanted to bring that to the table and to the market. They, ha they had their chance. Now, the problem is... Recently, and then we're talking about last week, uh, the company said we're done, not officially, but it was it was said from a guy called Crackberry Kevin. You know, he calls himself Crackberry Kevin. He, you know, he was, I think, one of the founders of the Crackberry uh, community, uh, who was uh, just a real tech enthusiastic, a passionate group of people. Uh, in which I have almost no connection of. I just spent uh, briefly a couple of uh, afternoons on those boards and, you know, typed to some people. And we had, I was amazed how many nerds were up there, especially the most passionate people 
uh, snobbing BlackBerry for making that software change uh, decision for ditching the hardware industry. And they were really just, just flabbergasted. You know, they, they, they spewed so much hate towards John Chen for being a traitor, for being a liar and a snitch and, and all that stuff, for, you know, for bringing the company to its knees, which is, of course, false. Anyone who's really seriously dealing with what the company is doing knows exactly that John Chen had a different idea in mind and changed strategies drastically to, to save the company from going bankrupt. So far, it seems to have worked. Um, worked, working, worked, yeah, it worked. Uh, anyway, um, while, uh, while uh, Onward Mobility promised to, the, to deliver a device in 2021, nothing happened. That year was completely silent. All they said was, we're going to bring it out early 2021. There was nothing. The company never fucking said anything. They kept silent, which was a huge mistake. But they kept silent, I think, for a reason, because they I, I don't think they really knew if that deal would really explode, like go off into... Uh, into the stratosphere in forms of success. They had nothing to show, I believe. They might have had a prototype or at least renders and ideas of how the phone should look. And some people claim to have seen it, but they signed a non-disclosure agreement. They cannot talk about it. Which is a bummer because now the company is officially declared, well, maybe not dead directly, but they declared that the BlackBerry 5G that they were supposed to present in 2021 is not going to be produced anymore. They have completely abandoned ship. Which is funny, because in January, right after New Year, um, the, the, the companies made an official statement on their website anyway, not talking to the press, but they made an official statement on their website saying they're still... Uh, they're still alive, they're still working on it, they're still focused and determined to bring out the, the, the BlackBerry 5G. They're not dead. Their, their slogan was, or you know, they, they were paraphrasing uh, some, I, who I think they were paraphrasing Twain. A contrary, to, contrary to popular belief, we're not dead. Now, a couple of days after they, they, they announced that, let's, let's say a couple of weeks into February, uh, they have to admit uh, that they are dead, <laughs> which is funny, you know. But that's because, um, for whatever reason, BlackBerry decided to sell all of their hardware uh, and software patents in regards to phone development that they've been doing for so many years. Patents that were supposed to be over $2 billion worth a couple of years ago. Right now, those patents are only worth $600 million, and they sold that to a company that I read, at least. I'm not sure what kind of company uh, that is or what, what, its, what its name is, but uh, some people claim that this company is known for suing others in, in cases of uh, copyright infringement. So they bought those, uh, those patents just to make money through suing other companies. Well, thanks a lot. So now that these patents are gone and there is nothing anywhere left that has something to do with a BlackBerry phone, some people stated, 
well, it could still be that onward mobility is not affected by this decision, that they're still working with them for the license, for the brand, because, you know, unfortunately not. I think there was a lot more tied to that, not only to those patents, but everything else that was uh, concerned around the BlackBerry brand. It seems like BlackBerry just wants to be called a software company and wants to de detach themselves completely from uh, from from the 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 once famous BlackBerry, uh, the, the phone manufacturer image. Uh, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, they don't want to be recognized as a phone company anymore. I don't know exactly where that comes from or why they decided to do that. Maybe they just focused uh, more and more on their software projects like, you know, um, automated uh, uh, cars and stuff like that. They, they signed a deal or an agreement with BMW, I read once in the, in the news, that they were responsible for creating automated software inside and security software for those cars, which I think is a cool deal, you know, more power to them and all that. But it seems as if anything in regards to the phone business of before is disturbing to them or, you know, distract... Uh, this, the, my English is not good today, I'm sorry is distracting, right? Or maybe annoying even, you know? Something is wrong here. Something is really, really wrong in my opinion. They have made a crucial decision for them to succeed in software and kicking the balls of anyone who was once a BlackBerry fan because officially there will most likely never, never be another BlackBerry device on the market. With that said, Onward Mobility were the last ones to actually try something. And we're never going to see that again. That's all gone. So I'm using the relics of the past somewhere behind me. So that's one of the reasons why I feel a bit disappointed for many reasons. First of all, we lost Ivan Reitman. Um... BlackBerry, uh, once one of the biggest, if not the biggest, phone manufacturer, leading the whole world in that, in the, in, in the late uh, 2000s, before losing it to, of course, to the iPhone, to Apple. Um, it's it's a, a kind of a shame, really, that there's nothing left. I mean, of course, there are some companies out there like Unihertz making keyboard phones. I personally had good experiences and still have good experiences with, you know, somewhere behind me, that's, there's my phone, with the Titan. The Titan is still my daily driver, a phone I use really for everything. And the Key2 LE is a phone that I've been using occasionally for other stuff, but basically because of its more superior camera, because the Titan's camera is a piece of shit. It really is. It makes nice, adequate, okay pictures during daylight. Everything else, forget it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a catastrophe to use, which is one of the reasons why I was thinking, you know, maybe I should try to use something more decent. So uh, I was happy when I got the Titan Pocket, the, 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 the predecessor to the Titan, which is uh, much smaller and more compact and convenient to carry in your pocket. Something like the old Blackberries, actually. And the phone was positively received in most places, but... I had two of these devices, and like I said before in a, in a previous podcast, the Wi-Fi is not good on that device. It keeps on dying, it keeps on crushing, 
uh, crashing or just not even working at all. It's just pathetic, absolutely pathetic for a device created in this day and age. Uh, sorry, even the most cheesiest fucking slab of a phone that you can buy in a grocery store has a better Wi-Fi connection than that. And that's disappointing. So I sent the first one back to them. I got a replacement phone. That one still didn't work, so I sold it on eBay. And that's it. It's gone. It's not mine anymore. I don't care. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what to do at this point. I know it's just a phone. We shouldn't care about that too much. I shouldn't care and waste my time with these things. But, you know, it's just... I cannot let go from these keyboards. And there's a company, I think... What do they call it in Cosmos Logic or something like that? They made a communicator type of a of form factor phone, which is a huge clunky piece of technology with an interesting aspect to it. When you open up the phone, it's like a clamshell design. You open it lengthwise, and you have, of course, as to be expected, a massive keyboard underneath. And this keyboard design and technique is like a real machine keyboard uh, look to it. I don't think it has the keyboard feel of, of an old uh, mechanical keyboard, but it has real tactility and there are real keys underneath that phone. The phone is, the first one was not too expensive. They had a second phone coming out later with, I think, more power uh, to this device, maybe more processing power, but I definitely believe there was more RAM somewhere in there. And that's where the prices get a bit more expensive, where it gets around, I think, 800 bucks. And it's an Android phone. And um, as much as I'd like to try out that device, I can't fucking use it. Uh, at least not for what I want it to do. It has to be practical. That's not a practical phone. It's for somebody who is capable of typing on such narrow conditions on that phone which is maybe possible to some degree, but I don't want to do that. I still want to use two thumbs to type. I could try it on glass like I did before on the old Samsung days when I had one. But that wasn't exactly fun or joy to use, and I hated those devices. But I think I have to force myself now to do exactly that, to use a more modern phone, which is maybe more secure now because of, you know, missing updates and all that that I have right now. And... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm asking myself, who's, which company out there is going to be the next one to try such an attempt to be different on the market and just release another phone that doesn't look like everything else? When is going to be the next company dealing with a QWERTY keyboard? Will anybody even try except for, you know, those diehard enthusiasts making the clamshell device? There is another one out there. I think it's called the FX Pro or something. And I have to look out for that. If I don't forget, I'm going to add some links for you guys to uh, explore if you want to look at, uh, at a device that might be something for you. I personally, well, it's another of these clamshell-looking devices with a, with a, a flipping hinge mechanism where you can just jump up the upper half of the screen um, like away from you and you have a keyboard underneath that is supposed to be not bad um, 
not really following the BlackBerry example in the past. It's a bit more bigger with more spaces in between the keys. But let me take a sip of my, my beer here. It's malt beer, by the way. It's without sugar. Uh, <laughs> without alcohol, I mean. And yes, there's no sugar. It's just malt, really. Mm. I like this stuff. It tastes good. It's a typical German product. You should try it sometime. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, I'm a bit sad about this because everything that's exciting and 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 uh, different on the market is disappearing. You you have Unihertz for being determined to try something else, make making long-lasting phones, uh, rugged phones, phones you can actually drop occasionally, and nobody gives a shit. You can take them into dirt or cold weather during a rainstorm and, and mud and, and hiking, trekking around, bicycle tours, stuff like that, with more battery power than you would probably need. Uh, unless, of course, you're gone for several days, then you probably need a power pack or at least <laughs> a stop in a hotel somewhere. And I was, I was looking forward to maybe trying one of those devices one last time. Because it's pretty hard right now to actually get a Unihertz device in Europe. It's almost impossible to buy a Titan or uh, the, the Titan Pocket. They're very rare because currently out of print. I think they're still being developed, but the development cycle is being slowed down because of lack of chips, exactly. So I'm not sure when they will be in stock again and if they will be in stock. All I know is that if production is running forward, we might get another device. Do I want to try one of these keyboard devices from them again? With the current ones they have, I'm still using the Titan. I might keep it. I'm not sure. But uh, the Titan Pocket, no. No, no, I can't do that. I, it, I'm too much in love with the form factor of the, the, the key series. The, those, those, uh, what, what do you, how do you call that? There was a term for this kind of uh, form factor. Well, anyway, it's just this is what I was using the most, which I had most fun with using during the Android days anyway. And I wish they would still make those candy bar phones. And, uh, yeah, I'm sitting here and comparing phones during my vacation somewhere online, especially... Uh, I looked a bit closer at the iPhone, asking myself if it's worth it to buy a phone like that. So here it is, and this is my last argument for today, why I don't want to buy an iPhone. The software is annoying as it is to me. For a MacBook, it's a different thing. It's a good, steady workhorse, something I, I love using every now and then, or every day even, like right now, every rec every recording I've done uh, since episode something, ever since I got the MacBook, I've been trying to do recordings only on this device, and it's just the most easiest thing to do, the most stable thing to do, okay? It's beautiful. I could use better software because I'm using something that is not optimized for the M1 chip yet, but despite that, you know, everything else is just fine. The uh, possibilities that you can do with this device is just great. I understand why people use a MacBook or an, an, an iMac these days. Once you got in touch with these devices, you don't go back from it. At least 
I don't think there's a reason to go to Windows unless you're a gamer. And if you're not a gamer and you're more of a developer, you stick to Mac. That's it, okay? You can try Linux instead. I have great respect for anyone using Linux. I've been using it myself occasionally for experimentation or teaching myself something new. But uh, I even have Linux installed on my, uh, my main computer, my PC, which is still running Windows 10. But I use it only for gaming right now, not the Linux, but that machine at least. And I wanted to use Linux as a workstation, as a purely creative tool for all sorts of open source software and, and stuff that I could use. It's, you know, you can do that and you will be happy with it in the long run because, you know, you know exactly what it is that you're doing in most cases. But you have to know a thing or two about Linux in case things get complicated. And that's where Apple just wins all the way, really. It, the, the performance of Linux is outstandingly good, much better than what I know from Windows, even today, even though, you know, Windows 10 is being very stable in most cases. Uh, there's no comparison to Linux, in my opinion. It's, it's, a, it's an operating system that you just cannot break unless you're doing something really experimental and messing around with uh, drivers and the kernel and whatnot. But if you use it wisely, that operating system will not fail you. And <laughs> Apple will mostly not fail you, at least not to my knowledge, and from the experience I've collected so far. But the iPhone is a different thing for me altogether. First of all, um, what I don't like about the iPhone is that the the style of software with all you do really you can't really set up anything properly in that phone you just have a switch for on and off for a function and there's not really much you can do with it it's just this phone has been designed f for the most dumbest user imaginable that's why these phones are, are successful you can do much with it it's true you can but you cannot really manipulate the phone if you know what I mean. If you want to load something up to the phone, you have to use um, the fucking iTunes software, which is a pain in the ass, in my opinion. That is something I do not like. And they say it's because of security or whatever excuse they have. I take an Android device. I stick it to any kind of computer. I got myself a device connected. I can use it as a fucking USB drive and just shove files around or MP3s and pictures and movies I made. I don't care. Anything can be done much easier in this regard with an Android device on a very dynamic and flexible scale, okay? But with the iPhone, you can't do that. And that's a bit of a bummer. And aside from that, what really pisses me off is I just looked at the, the iPhone 12 and 13 mini. I watched some comparison videos about... Uh, you know, how these phones perform. And the battery life is shit on these phones. If you use this device every day, or let's say multiple hours per day for whatever consumption it is, it doesn't have to be like bullshit like Facebook and, and YouTube and stuff like that, but maybe more uh, from a for a productive note, writing emails or stuff like that, you know, connecting a real keyboard this time to the iPhone and typing away like a maniac and all that stuff, which is probably something I'm not going to do anymore. <laughs> uh, once you got 
a, a proper laptop working, that's the thing you're going to type on. But um, the battery life is really disgusting on these phones. I don't like it. The larger uh, iPhones, okay, I get that. They might be more uh, powerful for you to get through maybe three days. I'm, I'm not sure really, but that's a price range I'm not willing to pay for anything. I'm not going to do that. I'm not that much in love with Apple just because I have a MacBook now, okay? But um, I read from users that said they used the, the, the iPhone 12 mini for roughly a year, not even a year. And they registered, because that's in feature, uh, interestingly, at least shown in the iPhones, in, in, the, in the software, by trying to calculating and estimate how much power is left physically available after a fully charged phone. And they said, after 10 months, some phones only had roughly like 85% or 7, not, no, no, not, some even 70%, yes, but some said, not even after the first year, and you suffered from a battery power loss. You could not charge your phone further up than 85%, some 90%. And I'm sorry, but you're losing that much power and potential of your uh, battery capability, not even after the first year? What about after two years? What then? So I, I, I read if that battery uh, falls during warranty times below 80%, you get it replaced for free. I am not sure if that's true, but that's at least currently what the warranty, according to customers, is stating if you suffer from that you get a new battery well that's great but the phone cost like new uh i don't know i i forgot i looked at secondhand phones refurbished phones of uh, you know the iphone mini let's say the iphone 12. i don't want to talk about the se that has even a worse battery life some people roughly get three hours of usage out of it i'm sorry what not as a brand new device of course but after a while of using it, that's what your battery has succumbed to. And, you know, the iPhone 12 mini, I think, was... It had not even... not It had below 2,000 milliamp, if I'm not mistaken. 1,800 or something. Now, kudos to Apple for designing an operating system that has such a good RAM management in it running in the background for not abusing the, the battery too much for stuff that you don't need. That is something design-wise brilliant, but for fuck's sake, you could have really installed a better battery, like at least 2,500 milliamps or even three. It wouldn't make the phone that much heavier, and if it did and people would be pissed off by it, fuck you. Give me a break. This is one of the most expensive devices you can actually buy. The most expensive elite fuck phones. That you can buy and i have another story for you about that which really pisses me off the even more so because of the brainwashing scheme that apple likes to do with their products the most like i said the most expensive phone on the market and they they fail to actually install a proper battery that blows everything to smithereens just like most macbooks do it's not possible for them to do it on the phone why because of what which fucking design flaw is responsible for that or justifies doing stuff like that? 
It makes no sense. And yet people still, you know, like 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 little children praising the company for designing the, the latest fucking iPhone. They go crazy and say, oh, I love it. It feels so good in the hand. Like they're feeling their cock for the first time. And then like advertising the phone for all its greatness. And then somewhere in the end said, yeah, the battery could be better. Well, you're just a fucking jerk for buying the phone in the end. You paid like 2,000, not 2,000 bucks, but... 1,000 bucks for a phone, 1,200 I saw once, one version, I don't even remember which one it was. And people sometimes stand in line to buy this phone? For what? Does that make your life better? Does, does your pee turn to gold if you buy one? I don't get it. Okay, I understand my frustration and I understand that you think I'm silly for, for clinging to the old keyboard phones, but they were not that expensive. They were expensive enough, you know, and I still had trouble paying this shit. But that much money for a device that really screams out your status that you wish you had in a society that fucking hates your guts, that's not the reason why I want to buy a phone like that. <laughs> I just, I cannot be friends with a device like that. And I was sincerely thinking about it because the iPhone mini for, for its form factor, I would love that. That's exactly the size I, I like. I don't need a huge clunky phone that I can't put properly in my pocket or have to, you know, be extra careful with during my, my mountain bike tours. I don't want that. I want something that actually lasts and does what the fuck it's supposed to do. You know, not just... Uh, you know what I mean, right? So that's where I'm kind of disappointed and I'm looking at more rugged phones and thinking to myself, if I sell the BlackBerry, if I get decent money for it, if I'm lucky enough, I might buy myself some Chinese brand of an outdoor phone, hoping that it lasts for at least a week and that I don't care what happens to me when I'm out there. That's more practical to me. But I will miss the keyboard a lot. I really do. It was just the most beautiful design in a phone I've ever seen in my life. I know it sounds cheesy and I have too much emotions when it comes to this kind of stuff because I love technology. It's just great. But the slab glass stuff is just not really that exciting. You know, every phone looks exactly the same. Everyone is just talking like it's brainwashing. You know, you turn on the TV, you, you go online on YouTube to some kind of unboxing fuck video from some fuck nut who doesn't even know what he's talking about, introducing the latest phone, unpacking it and peeling off the screen protection, the, the foil from this area from the backside, sniffing it almost, licking the fucking phone and being totally excited about the product and, and judging it by its feel that this, this is where we are now. It's not about how good is it, how, how, how good are the functions, how long does it last, only about what it feels like. Does it feel worthy to hold? Does it make me feel hot? Does it make me, does it, do I feel like I'm connected to the fucking universe when I hold the phone in my hand? What's wrong with these people? Yeah, I love these phones for their design, it's true, especially the old keyboard phones. But I don't feel like I'm connected to fucking anything when I hold them. It's just a joy to have them for the sake of using a keyboard because I fucking hate typing on glass. It's no fun for me because I, I used to type a lot and I, I had to cut down on it for several reasons. Uh, first of all, I've, I don't have that many uh, <laughs> social contacts anymore since I decided to uh, just go away from 
people on purpose to isolate myself, to focus more on work, like I said, right? So I don't have to type that much to people anymore. And for what I do, I actually use, in many cases, just um, the, the WhatsApp uh, solution for, for the MacBook. So I type on that, which is always active in the background. I just respond quickly or, you know, emails, of course, which is something I do heavily still. Sometimes answering emails on a phone is still fun, but I don't use that option too often as well. So it's uh, it's a shame. It's a real shame because it was a good work tool and a versatile tool. That's the, the that's the key here. The versatility because of the keyboard was for me personally much larger than any slab. And I I looked through you know LG products which almost don't exist anymore because they stopped producing phones. Which is funny because I knew someone a while back, uh, the brother of my ex-girlfriend. He was in love with the LG company. He wanted to have the latest, best, super cool smartphone from them, which looked like a piece of shit. And ironically, a couple of years later, they said, no, we're not producing this anymore. So good for him. <laughs> you know, it's, that is kind of funny. And... Uh, I think even Sony wants to back down in the smartphone industry I read once. You can still buy devices from them, which are far too expensive still. They have good devices, I'm sure about that, but um, they don't have a design that I'm really happy with, even though their camera technology and the phones are really something else. And no, for that sake alone, I'm not a photographer. I'm an artist, yes, but I don't do uh, photography that well. I have a Sony camera, and that's all I need, mostly. That's okay. That's enough for me for now. It's a, it's a compact um, system camera, which does a good job in terms of lighting conditions and, and all that. It's, it's, a good, it's a good camera, and I'm glad that it still works, and I don't really need to focus on a huge chunk of money for a phone where even my camera still does better pictures, I suppose. You know, it's just not really reasonable to do that. So, um, what else do you got? You got your iPhones that always look like the most retarded phone in, in design-wise, at least. I never thought that any, any iPhone, at least physically, from design, look appealing in any way. The iPhones look fucking dumb. Like a retro design that never existed. Then you look at Samsung's designs. I remember where they sued each other. I think iPhone sued Samsung for, you know, copying their design or form factor. And they, I think Samsung even won that claim that they didn't, that the freedom of design should still be there, even if those devices look like slab. And now you got, you know, you know all sorts of manufacturers. You got Nokia, who's owned by I don't know who. You have uh, Motorola still existing. Uh, thankfully, at least someone else on the market. They have an interesting flip phone, which I do like, but it's still far too expensive. I don't want to buy that. Then, uh, yeah, the rest of the Samsung models, they all look the same. Oh, for fuck's sake, they're all the same. Really, all of these phones, almost all of them, are a 6.5-inch display. And they try to produce bezel-less uh, phones for whatever fucking reason. Why? Because people say, oh, it's not pretty to have bezels. Who cares? It's supposed to work, you fucking dimwit. Christ's sakes, it's, it's all... We have lost our minds. 
Most people don't even know what to do with their phones unless, you know, apart from watching some kind of idiotic content. If it's not a YouTube channel, then they're watching something on fucking TikTok or videos being shared on on uh, Instagram or, or uh, Twitter um, and all the other platforms that I can't even... Periscope, I think, is one of those those platforms that should die, in my opinion. I don't think anybody uses them properly. And just, you know, garbage is being presented day in, day out, and that's what they consume. They just consume more content. The shinier the screen is of your device, the happier they are to consume more of the same bullshit content. And that's all people do, mostly, day in, day out. One of my so-called friends, who I don't really consider friends anymore, but I still have contact to that asshole, is the, I call him Bobo, right? In case you, you paid attention to one of my podcasts where I was on vacation one last time with the guy. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a weird dude. He's loyal to you to some degree, but only when he knows that he can use you for, for something. That's my, my impression. He does enjoy your company because I make him laugh, but he always needs something from me. And mostly when he calls out to me, you know, it's not like because of, hey, how you doing? Uh, when can you do the next graphic for me? When can you do the next advertisement or poster for me? I seriously don't have time for that stuff anymore because he doesn't pay me. I could charge him. I said that before. But, you know, he's such a grouch. He would never give me fair payment. I get the most minimum as a thank you. I could buy some food from that maybe, like uh, french fries, I guess, you know, or a burger occasionally. And, you know, that's just, I'm sorry, but for all the work I put into that stuff, and I really try to put effort into these designs, I always have the feeling that he's ungrateful for the work I did for him. So I stopped doing it. I'm sorry, I'm not a working horse for everyone for free, right? And, um, you know, being, watching him, for example, who is a typical example of a brainwashed, a mainstream user of bullshit content, believing everything the media tells him, or at least almost everything. He's a narrow-minded person when it comes to this. And all he does when I see him, he has his phone constantly in his hand, also in restaurants, or you know, when, when we go bowling or something else, what we do, which we used to do anyway, because of COVID, not so much. And, you know, it's always the same stuff. It's like Facebook, looking if somebody liked this content, then uh, other media content, mostly content, sometimes the news. Okay, we all do that occasionally. But there's he never uses his phone for something substantial. At least I don't think so, and I've never seen evidence for it. If he uses it for work, it's mostly with one-liners, sending information there and there, and that's it. He might use it for a bit more, but he has a laptop to do that. But the phone, that's what, I, that's what I mean. You know, the, the way people waste their time on these phones, even during vacation, he was also using his phone, then complaining to us while we were using our phones as well occasionally to, to you know, to check maybe on the news or, you know, having contact to relatives and stuff like that. He wasn't always writing to relatives. He, I never see him type longer uh, messages on his phone. He doesn't like that. He's not using the phone for communication. He's using it for consumption. And that's where I personally click off somewhere because 
it's um I feel like I'm talking to zombies when I'm with them in a restaurant. I don't feel like I'm we're we're sitting on the same page and we're not on the same level in terms of communication. And I I'm not in the same world as these guys when I'm trying to be open-minded and polite to foreigners when I'm on vacation because he can't do it. A very impatient German guy, as German as you can get. You know, and he never gives a tip. So, yeah. I think I talked about that before. It's important for me that I say this because I don't care. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sick of the way society behaves. The hypocrisy when it comes to these, these um, devices that we use as if it's really important for us to have the latest and greatest. I want something that works for fuck's sake. Is that too much to ask? Of course, I might be too nostalgic when it comes to the keyboard. And people, you know, look at me like, why are you still using a phone like that? Well, because it's fun for me. And I do type a lot of stuff. I used to write emails in with, with just much longer than just one page. You know, I was writing a lot of stuff. All of my thoughts went into those thumbs and I, I bombarded the phone with it. And that's what it was there for. I don't see anyone else do that, really. At least people I know of. No, of course not. And why would they? Because they don't really want to write. That, that shit that they call texting, they just swipe something, some gestures and, you know, a word or two, and that's it. Everything else is just not convenient anymore to them because it's glass. But nobody wants to admit that. Hmm. And my last story for today is, uh, I think if you've watched one of these unboxing videos, a guy who I, I don't know his name, really. It, it is the, 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 the white guy with a beard and the baseball cap uh, on a uh, YouTube channel that he calls uh, Unbox Therapy. You might heard of him. You might have heard of him. He's, he's very well known. One of the best out there when it comes to this stuff. Introducing all sorts of tech. And I used to hate him when, he, when I found him the first time for the simple fact that he was, he was um, a bit acting over the top, you know, too cocky in my opinion. At least that's what I understood or at least the vibe that I felt back then watching him. But after, you know, accidentally bump, bumping into his videos because of the YouTube algorithm, of course, I discovered that he's just playing that part and he's really good at it. And he's appealing to the broader audience of anyone capable of showing excitement for technology. So that's uh, one of the guys I've been following around every time he has something new to say. He's, he's very honest about the products, which I do like. He has not really have any kind words, mostly for keyboard devices, even when, uh, when, when, you know, when, when the Key 2 came out, he was... He didn't really understood why these phones were still made, and he had uh, harsh words for that device. Um, so, so did a few others as well. I think Michael Fisher, who's from, uh, who calls himself Mr. Mobile, was one of the most politest people to congratulate TCL and BlackBerry for creating the the key too, and he really loved that device. And he's a, he's also a keyboard fanatic, and he loved the Blackberries in the old days. 
but that that's who you got to be right you just yeah you have to understand what's the usability here and why they're so practical and fun to use everyone else who didn't really grow up in this era i don't think they really can understand it unless they have a reason to be connected to uh using keyboards in the first place or have any other uh, desire to do so but the reason I'm mentioning Unbox Therapy is there was once an episode that he broadcasted or uploaded on YouTube where he and many other YouTubers were gathering in a hotel somewhere because of uh, one of these, you know, uh, these larger electronic conventions, mobile phone conventions. And they met either before or after the convention, I don't know. And he wanted to know from all these people and all these YouTubers, which phone it is they were using as their daily driver. And he wanted, he interviewed them with his showmanship, the way he was presenting himself. You know, he really loved this, this, this uh, universe that he created for himself. You can, you can see that he has joy doing this. You know, that's one of the reasons why I, I continued watching him. And it, to me, it felt like in that, in that episode, as if he was bullshitting all the other users for being somewhat of a hypocrite because I think almost all of these people with the exception of maybe one or two of the of those youtuber guests had a different device instead of the iPhone all the others iPhone 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 you have to think about that here why they have all sorts of devices that they're getting most of them even for free they get, you know, these devices are being promoted from all those manufacturers for them to test, to talk about, to advertise. And they all, most of them at least, when it, when it comes to some flagship phone, phone from maybe Samsung or other uh, manufacturers, you know, trying to get a, a piece of, of the market cake to make, to make money off of it. Not, not all devices are crap, of course. I mean, we're not talking about my hatred for slab phones here, but for the sake of the argument when it comes to the hardware itself to the specs the chips um the the screen how it's built um the the, the refresh rate of the screen the total memory inside uh how the operating system works if it works flawlessly or not and other gadgets and and, and features that maybe the developer has added to the phone that others do not have and stuff like that so not every phone that you buy is complete garbage in comparison to the iPhone. That's, of course, a lie. You know, that's just way over-exaggerated. Over and everyone says, while this guy from Unbox Therapy asked everyone the question, why? You're also having an iPhone. Why? You know, they're sitting there praising other devices, but they don't really care, honestly. It's nice for them to play with them, but they would never consider using those devices as their daily driver. They're, they're all stuck on the iPhone. And the reason for that is, which I found was hilariously hypocritical, they don't have a real reason to use the iPhone. It's not because of the ecosystem as most people claim. Yeah, I love the ecosystem. Fuck you, you don't. It's not about that. It's about the status because everyone has one. And it is being declared, and that's not a joke. Um, Steve Jobs was very persistent in, in presenting their products, or his products, especially, you know, like the iPod, the iPhone, and all that, as being um, 
the standard in technology, as being the best of the best. So he charged elite prices. That was a purposeful design, even though the hardware underneath doesn't always have to be top-notch, especially not in processing power. But they found a solution for that in their software technology to make everything aligned. They produce everything thems themselves, nowadays anyway. The software and the hardware was always under their roof alone. No one else had anything to say about that. But they bought chipsets from Intel for the Macs. Now, it's just M1 and M2 chips. So Intel is looking pretty bad, uh, and, uh, if, if, if you ask me, because uh, Apple was one of their biggest customers. So now what, huh? So, you know, in, in that regard, I do have respect for Apple for achieving that. But everything else, when it comes to the iPhone, it's always about the status thinking. If you want the best, then buy it. Because it doesn't get any better than this. Because the iPhone has always been carrying this image of being the most superb and most uh, luxurious uh, item to have when it comes to communication. There, there is no one better is what they're actually advertising. And when those fucking idiots sit there from YouTube and, you know, praising all sorts of tech that they're not using for shit in their daily lives, but telling always, oh, yeah, Samsung is killing the iPhone with their latest and greatest uh, Galaxy Note or the, 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 the S22 or this and that and the foldable phone. And lo and behold, they're a total Apple nuts. So everything they say is worth nothing. Because... Deep down, I would almost assume that they're even being paid by Apple, which is probably not true, but they are just, uh, they're falling into the same victim hole, rabbit hole, so to speak, where uh, there is no real defense. They, they just, they buy the iPhone because there is no other choice, reasonable choice, in their brain, in their lifestyle, in their status and way of thinking. Working on an iMac is a different thing. You don't really work on an iPhone. Of course, you could if you wanted to. But I really don't think that they're doing that. It's just the way the world is being run these days. If they could, they would all buy maybe a Ferrari or Porsche or Lamborghini or maybe Tesla, right? And in, in the phone market, that's exactly the same thing. If, unless this is going to be changed anytime soon, maybe if Elon Musk is going to make his Pi phone uh, full-fledged for the market, I heard it's almost ready, or maybe it is. I haven't really looked into it. I don't like te the phone design from Tesla itself, really. It's it's not that what I... I I'm not really astonished by it, really. Um, nor intrigued in any way. But I'm curious what these phones can do. So that might be interesting to look out for. But everything else, like I said is just a huge brainwashing in society. I've, I've met uh, children, teenagers from, you know, co-workers in, in their family who are spoiled brats because if they want a phone, it must be the iPhone. It cannot be anything else because anything else just won't cut it for them. And what do they do with these phones? Social media. Uh-huh. What else? Nothing. Of course, taking pictures and videos. The rest is just just the same brain-melting social media nonsense. And that's the world we live in. You know, and for that, you know, the capabilities of an iPhone, if it really has to be just the iPhone, for the sake of having the iPhone, for the sake of being on fucking Facebook or Meta, whatever you want to call that piece of shit, 
So there's something wrong with us, really. This is not right. <laughs> this is not good. And uh, I'm glad that I don't have any kids, so I don't have to suffer through this bullshit. It's really a sad world, if you ask me. And it's sad enough that I was considering buying an iPhone. But after, you know, just doing some honest-to-God comparison, I think to myself, no, I'm not going to do that. That being said, that was enough. I, I talked my lungs out of my thin corpse of a body onto the keyboard of my MacBook. I'm getting tired. Oh, and my shoulders are stiff from awkward position, whatever that might be. And no, I have nothing in my butt, but thanks for asking. I will be back in the course of the next days, I suppose, uh, continuing the Peter Gabriel discovery of his musical genius. And I cannot stress that enough. But until then, I had to let go of some steam. Bad news to BlackBerry fans. Black, uh, <laughs> bad news and black news all, all over the place at the moment. The world is a nasty place, kids. And of course, phones are the least of our concerns. We have other problems as well. I know that. I just wanted to entertain myself a little bit by being angry at BlackBerry's failure. Yeah. Well, in the, that's all for today. Um, I don't have anything else to say. I would like to get drunk now. <laughs> I have to cook me some stuff. And like I said, I'll be, I'll be back as fast as I can with more positive attitude towards music. I wish you all the best. I hope you stay healthy, kids. Um, don't fight. Don't argue. Be kind. Stay happy. And see you soon. Bye-bye.